God, I pray today that our eyes would be set upon heaven. That God, that right now, that our minds would be cleared of those things that, that God, that, that we have brought in with us, O Lord. That God, that all we can see is Jesus and what he has done for us. God, I pray that you do the work that only you can do this morning. Father, you are the God of redemption. And I pray today that, Father, that you would redeem us from the power of sin. I pray today, God, that you'd redeem us from the power of heartache, from the power of failure that has has touched our lives. And God, today, that, Lord, that you would make all things new in each of our lives. God, I want to praise you, Father, for all that you are. I want to thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. We serve a great God. Yes, that we might shout unto him even today. If you would, if you'd take your Bibles and you turn to the book of Galatians. Galatians is a small book. You'll find it right after 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and you'll come to Galatians. And today we're going to be looking at, in specific, verse 14. Um, Gosh, every now and then there will be a verse that you read that just absolutely grabs your heart and, and you just can't get it out of. You want to answer yourself, what does this mean? And I want you to, to take this verse today and, and really apply it into your life. What does this mean to you? Why is Paul saying what he is saying? Why is this so important to him? Folks, when we study the Word of God, instead of just reading over it, we need to stop every now and then when um, something such as this, we need to chew on it a little bit. We need to ask ourselves a lot of questions, ask the Lord A lot of questions. I can promise you, he is not offended at your questions. And the best way we can learn is through that process of of, of asking ourselves and asking the Lord of of what's being said here and why is it being said. Um, We'd recently had come back, went on a mission trip, and um, gosh, at the last moment, they had asked for me to to, to preach the message for Sunday there. And um, something else, I was, you know, something I already had, I'd take the way, but... But um, this didn't feel good. That's just, you know, you just have to pray, and God, what would you have me? But God brought me to this particular verse. It's something I've done in the past. And I'm telling you, it just, it just grabbed my heart. I just felt that I needed to share this with you today. The name of this message today is Boasting Only in the Cross. And, and I, I just pray that you would just allow this to just, to, to you interact with this verse. Although Paul wrote this scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit some 2,000 years ago, he was writing it specifically to a church of uh, a group of churches in Galatia in a province um, of what we know as the, the, the Middle East or around Turkey today. The Word of God is just as applicable in our hearts today. And you have to understand that God, the Word of God is God's love letter to you. It's God's letter that He's written to you that no matter where you are within your life, this can be applied in your life and help you where you are today. That's why reading God's Bible is so cool. It's because when I read the Word of God, I know that there's a God in heaven that created me, that loves me, and He has written a letter to me. And He he cares about my needs. And so uh, when I get in in a quiet time especially, and I can just allow the Word of God to just speak to me, there's just something very precious about that. Folks, if if you... if you are negligent in that, I encourage you to get yourself involved. Hey, if it's not but for five minutes today, can't you give up five minutes for something? If it's not but for five minutes today, to open up the Word of God, and, and before you open it up, say, God, speak to me today. 
I'm telling you what, that's, a, that's sweet words to our Heavenly Father if you just say, Lord, speak to me today. And, and I can tell you, He'll speak to you. And, and, and then you can have that communication back with the Lord. God wants relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants you to talk with Him. And I pray today that He will talk to you as we explore through this, through this Word. You see, Paul was writing to a, ch- a group of churches in Galatia that he had taken the gospel many years before, and they received, it with, they received God's grace with just so excited that it's not by the works of righteousness that we have done, but because of the work of Jesus Christ that Jesus died for our sins. And, and, and they received that, and they were so excited that we're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And, and, you know, let me just explain something else to you as we, before we get into this. When you become a Christian, there's always going to be people come in and try to mess your life up. You know, they'll, they'll, you come to know Christ on His terms, but there's always going to be some people in their lives, that it's like they've got a gift, that they're going to try to mess your life up because they're going to start telling you, okay, since you're a Christian, this is what you're supposed to do now. You've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this. And, and they kind of wear that as, 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 as their own righteousness. Look at me, you know, look how good I am. What they are trying to do is put a yoke back on your neck that, that Jesus Christ set, three, um, free, set you free from, from the, um, by dying on the cross. Don't let anyone put, else, put, put on you their expectations. That's why Christ died. That's what had happened here. As a matter of fact, Paul says, how did you get... How, how did you get fooled so early? Because immediately after Paul had preached the gospel, people had begun to come in and said, okay, now if you're going to be a good Christian, you've got to do this, this, and this, and because and that's going to be a part of your salvation. Be careful of that, folks. And also be careful about putting your expectations on someone else. And let's say look like you do and talk like you do and act like you do and, and um, um, don't, don't you use your expectations to measure their love for Christ or not. Christ is our judge and Christ alone. And so with this in mind, let's take the scriptures and stand with me as we read Galatians, the sixth chapter. We'll read the 14th verse. I'll probably, um, what, what Paul was dealing with at this particular point, to give you an idea, there was a group of people that had come into the church of, of Galatia, and most of those were, were Gentiles people. There were, were people that were non-Jewish. But, many, but, but after they had gotten saved by the glorious grace of God, by what Jesus Christ did for dying for their sins on the cross, there was a group of people from, from the Jewish faith that come in and says, okay, the only way that you can truly be saved, you, you, you can't really be saved unless you're circumcised, because all good Christians are circumcised. See, they were, they, were dragging, they were dragging their Jewish faith now into their Christian faith. And so, and so the people that were not circumcised felt like second-class Christians. Because apparently we're not good enough if, if we haven't done all this stuff. And boy, that just, to be honest, that, that ticked Paul off. It's not anything that we do in the flesh. It's about what Christ has done in the heart. And that's why Paul was dealing with this situation. And, and that's why you'll see when I, when I read the next verse that it kind of makes sense to you. But Paul writes these words. He says, but God forbid, may it never, ever be. These are strong words that, that Paul was saying. May it never, ever be 
that I should glory, or, or many of your translations may say boast, because this, what, this word means, that it means to hold my head up high. Kind of, you know, a person that's got a new suit of outfit, when everybody's seeing, I'm wanting to show myself off. God forbid, may it never be that I should glory or that I should boast, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. God forbid that I should glory in nothing, in nothing, but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that at this time, that the God that you'd just come, you'd take this moment, and Lord, that you'd just fill this place with your presence. And Holy Spirit, it was you that, that penned these words to the Apostle Paul some 2,000 years ago, and it's still you that are teaching today. It is still you, that Holy Spirit, that still changes hearts today. And God, I just pray today that you would work in the very deepest areas of our lives. And God, today, that your word would set us free. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you have accomplished through the cross. And God, never let us belittle that. Never let us, God, um, boast in anything other than, than what Christ has accomplished of the cross. And so God bless this time, minister to us through this time, open our eyes that we can see, do a mighty work. God, I pray for miracles today. God, I pray for the miracle of salvation today, Lord. God, you're working even now. God, I pray for just other miracles, Lord, whether it be in the spirit realm or in the physical realm. God, you just do it. Show yourself, Lord, today. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, there's one thing that we know of as men that... One thing that we're prone to do is we're prone to boast. We all like to brag a little bit, don't we? As a matter of fact, if you were to get my iPhone right now and, and you were to open it up on the very front page is my grandbaby Dorothy. My, she's, she's my background. She's a little thing that I want to see. And then if you'd, you'd go to a, another screensaver that... Um, where I actively get into it, you'll see my other grandbaby, Archer. Now, I, 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 I'm just brokenhearted I didn't bring the phone out so I could show them to you a little bit. Because <laughs> I know they have to be the prettiest little girls that's ever been born. Now, some of you may disagree, but that's a grandpa's, you know, that's a grandpa's position. I need to boast a little bit. And, you know, we, 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 do, we just like to boast. We like to brag. And, um, and that's, just, that's kind of just who we are as, as, as people. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't take me long if I was to walk into your home and just hang out with you pretty much. I could find out the things that you like to boast most about. You know, we talk about the things that we're most proud of. We, talk, we like to talk about the things that, that mean a whole lot to us. If I, you know, if you loved education and I walked into your house and I saw your diplomas just plastered everywhere and, you know, and um, I know, boy... This person's kind of boasting what they've accomplished. You know, that's, that's cool. That's good. If you are a hunter, which many of you are, I could walk into your house and I see deer heads hanging everywhere. And, you know, you don't see any spikes hanging up there. You just see the big ones, you know. And, and um, I, you know, I, I, could, I could tell this is something very, very important to you. And, and, and so that's just kind of our makeup because we all like to be somebody. And folks, that does not only even register in the, 
in the, in the physical realm, it does in the spiritual realm also, because there's a lot of boasting that gets done in the name of spirituality. There's a lot of people that they want to let everyone know just how spiritual they are. I've been a Sunday school teacher for 45 years. I've taught them not head seventh grade boys that nobody else would teach, but I've done it. And so, you know, you, you, you know we, we, we put that on our spiritual gun that look at me, well, look what I've done. You know, or, or look at me, I, I don't drink, or I don't spit, or I don't chew. And that's just another notch on my gun. And if we don't watch out, we begin to boast in just our own goodness. As a matter of fact, in that boasting, you know, many times when our, in our boasting, what we do is in our boasting, there, it, it, one thing that comes from that is we kind of look down on those other people. That look who I am, but look who you are not. You see, you have to realize your boasting goes both ways. And so it's just we're very prone to boast. We, because we like people, we like to have people to think that we're something special. If anyone had the right to boast in the biblical days, the days that we're writing now, is the Apostle Paul. There's probably no greater preacher, no greater intellect in the world than, than the Apostle Paul. He had the pedigree of being one of the great Jewish teachers. And now he'd become one of the great missionaries, probably the greatest missionary that's ever lived apart from Jesus Christ. Probably saw more people saved. He could, he could, he could get down with a guy that was down in the gutter, or he could talk with the, with the intellects there in, in, in Athens. But this is a guy that's now saying, he says, God forbid that I should boast or I should brag on anything other than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, God forbid that I should brag, that I should brag or I should boast in anything, anything other than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is he saying? Why is Paul saying that? Why is this guy that, that is so well studied, that has so much acclaim within the Christian community, that, that, that the world would recognize Paul, whether they liked him or not, that he was such a great intellect, but why would he now come and say, I don't want to boast in anything, I don't want to brag in anything other than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? I tell you, with that type of statement, it wants me to put all my pictures away. <laughs> it wants to take, make, me, make me take some things down off the wall because there's a conviction there that, that, that where Paul says, you know, I, I, don't want, I don't want anyone to think of anything of me than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what makes this so crazy in the world that the Apostle Paul was speaking about they understood the cross very, very well. As a matter of fact, the cross was a, was a symbol of shame. It was a symbol of death. Matter of fact, within the Roman culture, the cross was such a, an ugly symbol that, that was reserved only for, for those that were at the least 
level of society, Roman citizens couldn't ever even be crucified because it was such a shameful death. It was such a, a tough topic that it was never even discussed in Roman discussion. As a matter of fact, the, the cartoonists, and there were cartoonists way back in the day because that was the way that that was their media, that they've never even found a cartoon or any type of writing about the cross because it was such a hideous symbol. They understood the ugliness of the cross. But Paul would write, God forbid that I would boast anything other than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now tell me then, why was he saying that? Why was this man of such Christian fervor, and why is this man of such great intellect and, 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 and a man that had, was turning the world upside down for Christ? Again, people everywhere knew Paul, whether they liked him or not. Why would he say that God forbid or never, never let it be that I would boast other than in the cross, the symbol of death of the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but that, that makes me want to ask some questions. Why was this so important to Paul? Why would Paul says, listen, I'm going to count everything else as rubbish. Anything, any type of a claim I've had in my life, I'm going to count it as rubbish so that people won't see anything that I do. All they can see is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that should force us to stop and chew on that a little bit. That's a pretty big statement. I've just set down a few things I want us to stop and consider today and, and let it reflect on you as, as, as well as to let it reflect on me and, and why Paul could make such a statement. Obviously, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ revealed some things that nothing else would do. The first thing that I believe that the cross, it's only in the cross that we, we, we might know that the true glory, that we can see the true glory of the holiness of God. You may think, well, what in the world does the cross and, and God's holiness have in common? You see, I think the one thing that we, we forget that the very basis of our Christian faith and the very basis of understanding God is His person and His character. We have so much lived in a world that is so me-centered that even our Christianity, even our churches are me-driven or self-driven rather than God-driven. But what the focus is, is what the cross does, is it puts it right back on the God who created us. It puts the focus right back on the God who, who redeemed us. And, and, and we have to ask ourselves, why is this so important? Because what the cross is reveals is the holiness of the God of heaven. When I speak of holiness, I think of that, that idea of separation, but I also think of that moral perfection that God is perfect in every way. There's no flaw within God. There's no sin within God. And, and that's what separates God from all of creation is His holiness. Did you realize of all the characteristics of God? And we love to, we love to use the, the, the attribute of God. God is that God is love. I love that. God is love. The Bible says God is love. And we like to think of God as being a loving God. But folks, the love of God flows from the holiness of God. In all of Scripture, there's, there's only one attribute of God that is, is used in a triune set, and which means that, that when it's spoken three times in, in, in unison. 
And that, that is God's holiness. When Isaiah was, was, was brought into the throne room of God and he saw the, the, the beast that were singing, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah, the sixth chapter. You never heard them sing love, 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 or power, power, power. All you ever heard them sing was holy, holy, holy. And again, in, in Revelation, in the fourth chapter, again, it's, it's almost in that same throne room that they're still singing the same song, holy, holy, holy. And folks, we have to understand that, that, that first and foremost that God is a holy God. And because he's a holy God, he will not share his presence with that that which is unholy. If we go back into the word of God and and, and, in the early man, when God created man in, in his image and he created man without sin, that man walked in fellowship with God. He walked in the cool of the day with God and had fellowship with God. But it was when sin entered into man, when rebellion entered into man, Man was separated from God. God drove them from the garden because our iniquities separate us from a holy God. And so we have to understand that is the dilemma of man. That's the curse of man. That, that is what the fix that we are in. That's why we have so much pain in our life is because God who created us, who is holy, but in our sin we are separated from a holy God because Holiness will not stand in the presence of our sin. But the Bible says God loves you and me so much that He wanted to make a bridge that we could come back to Him. He created us for relationship. But there's a great dilemma because we're all sinners, because we've all been separated from God. What can bring me back to a holy God that I can stand in His presence? God did it through the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, God sent His Son who lived a perfect life, who had never sinned. And God allowed His Son to be sacrificed on the cross for the sole reason to protect God's holiness that we might come to Him through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So every time we see the cross, every time we think of the cross, it's a symbol of the holiness of God. And and folks, that is the only bridge that we can come to a holy God, and it's through the crucified Savior. And you need to remember that. Every sin that we commit ultimately is a sin against a holy God. We forget that. And it's through understanding the holy God, that a God that, that, that will not stand in the presence of, of sin, that should cause us to fear. Because apart from the cross, we'll always be separated. But I want to go on, and I want us to talk about something else. Why would Paul again say, God forbid that I would glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? The cross also not only reveals the holiness of God, but also reveals the ugliness of my sin and the desperation that I find myself in. You know what? We, we, we live in a world today that we laugh at sin, we play with sin, we coddle our sin. Nothing makes us blush anymore. 
you know, we can watch something on TV or we can listen to something on to the radio that in the past would just offended us. But, but today we, we coddle that. We coddle behavior. Like, you know, there's really nothing wrong with that. But see, the cross tells me my sin is ugly. That my sin is grievous to God. And that my sin drove a righteous man, Jesus Christ, to his death. Folks, we need to come back to the point as we look at the cross and we see the ugliness of our sin. I, I, I know there's times I look on, you know, when I'm flipping through the internet, I'm seeing things and you, you see posted down there, I don't know if they're little advertisements from, but, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll you know, show, uh, you know, click here and you'll see the 10 ugliest dogs or, you know, or, or maybe the 10 types of foods that would cause cancer. If you know, you know, you flip through and they're just showing different things. And, you know, I've seen one before that, that says, you know, um, click here and you'll see 10 celebrities without their makeup. <laughs> you clip through, you know, you see this person that, you know, when they're on screen, they're just beautiful. And I'm telling you, they, they, look, they look like you know, they're out the, just came out of the ugliest dog contest. You know what I mean? I mean, they are, t- whoa, you say, man, if I was that person, I'd sleep in my makeup, you know, because... Because um, it's just amazing that the work we do is covering up all of our faults. The covering up our zits and covering up that, 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 that scar, covering up that, 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 that sunspot. And what's so sad about it is, is when we, we get through all of this, what we're, what we're presenting to the world is something totally different than reality. What the cross does is it pulls the mask off, folks. It pulls the mask off that we can see ourselves as who we really are. See, we can paint on righteousness all we want to, but the cross pulls it off because it it shows us the real person. And I think many times that's the reason we hate to deal with the cross because we don't want to see ourselves for who we really are. We don't want to see ourselves for the ugliness of my heart or the ugliness of my thoughts. And so I continue to wear this mask. But folks, when I come to the cross and I see that, that this cross represents, first of all, the holiness of God and I come to it, it shows me how ugly I am. You see, again, in, in, in the Roman thought, the cross was just, was just it's abysmal. When people thought of the cross, they thought of just the ugliness of humanity. And folks, we're part of that humanity. We're part of those that should deserve the cross. Because every sin that we've committed, whether it's it's living in adultery or whether it's telling a little lie, sent our Jesus to the cross. That he had to die on, on my behalf. And for me to laugh at my sin is an offense against God. And we have to stop and we have to study and we have to look and see ourselves as God sees us. Not as we present to the world or not as we fool ourselves after we put our makeup on and and look in the mirror, but, but how God sees me in all of my nakedness, in all of my ugliness. See, that's what, the, what Paul says. 
Paul says, when I come to the cross, it doesn't matter whether I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. It doesn't matter whether I've been trained in the finest schools. It doesn't matter whether I can, I can stand in, 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 in the Greek pantheon or wherever and, and argue with the world's great intellects. None of that matters. It doesn't matter how many mission trips I've been on. It doesn't matter how many times I've preached the gospel. When I come before the cross, all I see is the ugliness of my own sin. Wow. That's tough, folks. That's why Paul says, I cannot but boast, because the the cross of Christ shows me who God really is, but the cross of Christ also shows me who I really am. Because until I quit living in denial, until I quit patting myself on the back and fooling myself that I must be a pretty good guy, I'll never deal with the issues. One of the great problems of sin is living in denial. An addict will never admit he's an addict. But everyone else knows it. A liar will never admit he's a liar, but everyone else knows it. A person with a judgmental spirit will never see themselves as a judge, having a judgmental spirit, but everybody else knows it, especially God. And what the cross of Christ does, it peels it all back that we can see ourselves for who we really are. And Paul had grown as a man and grown with a believer to a point where he realized the words of Jesus Christ. He says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Until you begin to allow the truth to begin to open your eyes you'll never be set free from your hurts, your hang-ups, and your habits. And so when we look at the cross, dear friends, it reveals for who we really are. I, I think it's so very interesting. A songwriter, gosh, of several hundred years ago, Isaac Watt, and you'll be hearing me refer to this at the cross. But listen to what he said in his very first verse. He says, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote His sacred head for such a worm as I? Did you know our modern-day hymnals has even changed the language and stay in, stay in such a worm as I? They, they put in now, for a sinner such as I. See, they couldn't deal with that language. But the language says a worm, you know, I'm lower than the low. I'm not on the ground, I'm below the ground. And that's why, as Isaac Watts looked to the cross, he says, you know, I'm not even worthy to be on the ground. I'm below the ground. I'm a worm. People don't like to hear that. We come comfortable with our sin, and, and we like to measure our sin by other people. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not the best, but I'm better than that guy. Isaac Watts is saying, I'm not as good as any of them. I'm a worm. Maybe that's why Isaiah said, but your righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags. And I don't even want to go into the description of what filthy rags means. He says, you know, God says to Isaiah, you think you're good? All of your goodness is nothing more than filthy rags before the Lord. Gosh, that's, that's tough stuff, folks. But that's what the cross represents. It shows our desperation 
apart from a holy God that we can only come to the cross. But folks, let me let's just stop there. Let me get to some good news, okay? And I mean, you know, that's a, you know, um, we'll get away from that worm business, but you need to hang on to that. I tell you something else about the cross that, that Paul would say that God forbid that I should glory in nothing but the cross. First of all, it shows God for who he really is. It shows me for who I really am. But also what it does is it shows God's unconditional love for me. That's the good news. God is a holy God that can't come in the presence of sin. I'm just a worm. I'm ugly within my sin. But God demonstrates his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still in our sin, when we were still in our ugliness, when we were still in rebellion, when we were still an enemy of God, when I was still that worm, God loved me not because of what I'd done. He loved me because he was, and he he showed it through the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is nothing more than God holding his hands open and says, I love you in the ugliness of your sin. Now, folks, that is shouting ground. You want to shout to the Lord? Because you can really not understand the love of God until you understand the ugliness of your sin. See, most of all think that we do God a favor by coming and joining into his camp. Folks, none of us can do God a favor. God loves us in all the ugliness of our sin. That holy God made a way for you and me to come to him And that was through the death of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. That's a mighty love that God has for you and me. And folks, we we, we should never, ever forget that. Wow. God loves you so much. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. John writes it this way in 1 John. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means satisfaction. It's the idea of satisfying the wrath of the gods. You see, the ugliest of our sins deserves wrath. Because that's, that's, that's the response of a holy God to sin is it punches out sin through his wrath. It's just a natural response. But Jesus Christ satisfied your ugliness and my ugliness. But he took the wrath of God upon himself. For, for that. Folks, that's love. Hearing is love. Not that you love God, but that God loved you. And not, he, he demonstrated that love by sending his son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction for your sins. I don't know about you, but that is crazy stuff. Man, that's, you're talking about crazy love. That is crazy love. Well, I was shaking my fist at God when I was saying, God, I don't want you in my business. While I was going out rebelling, knowing that, that I had no business doing these things, that God just loved me anyhow. And it's not based upon what I do. It's based upon who he is. And folks, that's why God, that's why Paul says, you know, Paul says, God forbid that I can glory other than the cross of, of Jesus Christ because all I can see is God's love just, just reaching out to me. How can I not glory in anything else? How can I ever mention myself when, when, when all I know of what God did for me, I just need to praise Him. I, I need to just glory in Him because He saw me in my ugliness 
and he still loved me. See, there's a lot of people that even today, culturally, that because of situations we've been through and what we've done, that we've kind of been labored, labeled as an outcast. And it's so easy for us as people that we measure our love for people about where they've been and what they've done. And, 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 and some of you, there may be someone here, you, you feel that. That you've lived your life because, in a way that because people's looked down at you because of where you've been and what you've done. But let me explain to you, dear friend. God loves you right where you are. The ground's level at the cross. The ground's level at the cross. I don't have to make myself up to be any better than someone else. I can just come to the cross just as I am. In all of my faults, in all of my hurts, in all of my stupid mistakes, I just come to God. I come to the cross and He says, I love you right where you are. You see, that's where Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, that I should boast in nothing other than the cross of Jesus Christ because it was God who accepted me where I was. Another thing that Paul says, I should glory in nothing but the cross is also it's through the cross that I can see God's expectations for me that I can see God's expectations for me. You, wanna, you, you, know what, you, you know how, you may want to know how, well, how do I, I live this Christian life? What does God expect of me? Just go to the cross. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ said these words and before he ever went to the cross, because again, the cross was very heavily symboled in, in the minds of people of their days. And it was Jesus who said these, these words in Matthew 16, 24. He says, Thus says Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For why does a man profit if he, if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How do we live for Jesus Christ? We live the crucified life. Jesus never asked you and me to do something that he hasn't first done. And what Jesus was saying, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, this is, this is, my, this, this is the only thing I expect of you. Just die to yourself. Because as long as self is ruling on the throne of your heart, I'm not on the throne of your heart. And so you need to just die to yourself. It's not about me anymore. It's not about what I want. It's not about my dreams. It's about what Christ desires of me. You see, the cross, if we keep coming back to the cross, that just shows God's expectations of me. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. In the life I which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
You see, the cross teaches me what God expects of me. I mean, I, I don't have to go through 14 Bible studies to learn that. I just need to die to myself and let Jesus live in me. Paul says, God forbid that I would boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. And also, hold on to this, folks. It's only in the cross that I can be set free from the bondage of the world. I want you to chew on this. It's only in the cross that I can be set free from the bondage of the world. When Paul, Paul said these words, he says, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I into the world. Let me just read that through Gene Peterson's um, The Message and his paraphrase, because then I want to come back and talk about it. I think he does a good job. He says, for, for my part, I'm going to boast about nothing but the cross of our Master, Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I've been crucified in relationship to the world. I've been set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. Can't you see the central issue in all of this? It's not what you and I do, such as submit to circumcision, reject circumcision. It is what God is doing and that he is creating something totally new, a free life. All who walk by this standard or the true Israel of God, His chosen people, peace and mercy on them. I love, I love what he said, how he described that as, no longer am I bound by what everybody else thinks of me, because I'm dead to the world. No longer am I I'm bound to the, the little patterns people put me in that, that, that is going to make me right with God. See, I'm, he says, it's through the cross I've been crucified to the world and the world unto me. I've been set free about the world's expectations and all I just, I, I cast myself on the grace and love of God. I think it would be amazing to us if we would sit down and take an inventory of every thought and every action of how much I do pleasing others. The clothes that I wear, the way I go about, the words that I say, the events I, I go to. The, the, the programs I watch, how much of that is it because I'm just trying to please somebody else? Folks, that's bondage. That's bondage. And Paul says it's through the cross of Jesus Christ that I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. The world doesn't have any more hang. It does not have its claws in me anymore. Folks, wouldn't that be good to know that the world doesn't hold me anymore? And it can only come through the cross. You see, the cross is a symbol of freedom. That Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of, 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 of um, you know, falling prey to that sin, the bondage of the world. Run to the cross. You'll realize these other things and these other expectations that someone else has put on you really doesn't matter anymore. And I'll just close out with this. It's only through the cross that I can discover the source of every blessing I receive.
Let me just explain what I'm saying, and I think that a writer does the best job with this. It's John Piper. He, he says this. He, he wrote this in Don't Waste Your Life, and I want you to listen to what he says. For redeemed sinners, every good thing, indeed every bad thing that turns for good, was obtained by the cross of Jesus Christ. Apart from the death of Christ, sinners get nothing but judgment. Listen to what he's saying. If it was not for the cross of Christ, let me just ask you a question, because I want you to understand. How many righteous people, how many people live in this place that has never sinned? No hands? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of that, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, so every one of you and me deserve hell and damnation. I mean, I mean that, apart from the cross... Every one of us deserve nothing but hell and damnation. That's what, 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 what the, the writer's saying here. So we don't have anything good to look forward to. We don't have any blessing that, that, that every single day, apart from the cross, because I'm a sinner, because I understand the wages of sin is death, I've been separated from God, then all I know that the Bible says, I, I, the Bible does not say I will be under condemnation. As a matter of fact, the Bible says I'm already under condemnation. It's just the mercy of God that's keeping it from falling. And then he continues to say, he says, apart from the cross of Christ, there's nothing but condemnation. Therefore, everything that you enjoy in Christ as a Christian who trusts in Christ is owing to the death of Christ. Every good thing you and me enjoy is grounded in the cross of Jesus Christ because there'd be no enjoyment apart from the cross of Christ. Because I can see my babies and I can kiss on my babies and I know that there's a future and a hope for them, it's because of the cross of Christ. That, that even though when I'm sitting down with a, a person who may be going through a life-threatening disease, I can pray with them, I can have a hope that there's a better day coming, it's all because of the cross of Jesus Christ. There, even though that when I'm getting tormented and it seems like the world is just pressing down on me, I can, I, can, I can have the assurance there's a better day coming because of the cross of Jesus Christ. See, every good thing that I have that is really good, it's all based on the cross of Jesus Christ because apart from the cross of Jesus Christ, I would be looking condemnation in the face every single day. And praise God, praise God, praise God. The Word of God teaches me there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is good, folks. And it's all because of the cross. That's why Paul says, God forbid, God forbid that I should boast in nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in the cross I see God for who He really is. It's in the cross that I see myself for who I really am. It's in the cross that I see that unmeasurable love of God for me. It's in the cross that He teaches me how to live. It's in the cross that I can find freedom from the world. The world doesn't have bondage on me anymore. And it's in the cross that I realize that the source of every blessing I have is because of what God did for me on Calvary. Paul says, you know what, when I measure all that up, anything I have is just rubbish toward him. And I'm closing here, and I challenge you today to get your eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ. 
For God so loved the world, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. He gave him for what? Gave him to die on Calvary's cross. He took his righteous son and allowed him to die on, 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 on an ugly cross for my sin and for yours. And that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And I challenge you today, today to run to the cross. Matters not where you are, what you're going through. Today, I ask you to begin to just boast in the cross. You may be a person today that, boy, feels your life is just, it just doesn't measure up. And that people have looked down. Don't be bound by what people think anymore. Come to the cross. Come to the cross. It's all level. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether we're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether we're smart or dumb. It doesn't matter whether we're black and white. Folks, at all level at the cross. It's all the same at the cross. So no matter who you are, there's freedom awaiting you. No matter who you are, there's redemption waiting you today. No matter who you are, there's love awaiting you today. And, and we find that at the foot of the cross. I invite you today to come to the cross. Come to the cross and boast in nothing but the cross. Father, I love you, Lord, and God, I praise you. And God, I just pray that today, that, that Lord, that, that through the cross, that God, we can begin to see you for who you are, and we see ourselves as we are. And God, that through the cross, that we can see the freedom that comes in Christ and Christ alone. And Father, I just pray in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls today that, that God today, that they would just run to the cross and grab hold of the cross and cling to the cross. God, I just pray that today that, God, you'd open our eyes to see ourselves for who we really are. And God, that today we find that redemption is found only in you. God, I pray right now that you set some people free. I pray today that God... That, We'll no longer live under the bondage of what other people think. But God, we can just come to your cross. So Father, bless this time. Do a work. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And the reason we have this part of our service, this is one of the most important times of our service because it allows you to respond to what the Holy Spirit has been doing in your heart. And maybe today that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that you're in need of salvation. That you, you, you couldn't say that the pastor, if, if I would stand before God today, that I know that he'd allow me into his kingdom. I don't have that peace that my sins are forgiven. I'm inviting you to come to Jesus today. And, I mean, come, come today and let us invite you to Jesus Christ. You know, come, we'll talk to you about that and encourage you in that. Maybe, Christian, you're here today and you've just been carrying such a heavy burden a burden that other people have set upon you, why don't you come today and lay that burden aside? Why don't you come to the cross today? Why don't you thank God? Maybe you're today that you've been fighting something that's in your life that maybe an old sin that you committed 30 years ago that you just, it just can't let go of you. Why don't you just come today and lay it, on, lay it at the foot of the cross? See, Jesus tacked every one of our sins to the cross. He doesn't want you to carry that anymore. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? The altar's open as we stand, as we sing. Would you come today?